Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Hey, Salt Lake. We need a hundred people to fill out our quick listener survey. And you all have been absolutely crushing it. We are so close to a hundred. It's easy and fun, and it's about making our show even better and more useful for you. It's all multiple choice, and it won't take more than five minutes. I promise. I know this because I timed it. Plus, anyone who takes the survey will be eligible to win a $250 Visa gift card. Visit citycast.fm slash survey right now. Let's get it done. That's citycast.fm slash survey. I cannot thank you enough. And here is what Salt Lake's talking about. The Ballpark Next competition winners have been announced, and not one but two elected officials representing Salt Lake are tendering their resignation. Lead producer Emily Means is here to help make sense of the week's news. And later, newsletter editor Therina Ria joins us with some hot tips for pride. It's Friday, June 2nd. I'm Ali Bayarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, lead producer Emily Means. Good morning, host Ali Vallarta. <laughs> I have breaking news for you. Oh boy, here we go. I feel like at this point in the week, it's not totally breaking. But Wednesday night, they did announce the Ballpark Next competition <gasps> winners, which... And we're not going to get into the nuts and bolts of this competition and how it works, because frankly, we made an excellent episode of CityCast Salt Lake about it, which we'll link in the show notes. But basically, the city hosted a design contest that asks all sorts of people to answer the question, what should we make of the giant hole that the bees will leave in the ballpark neighborhood when they pack up their team and leave the ballpark, Smith's Ballpark Stadium and take the red line down to daybreak. <laughs> to the end of the line? Yes. I'm just imagining them with all their gear on the red line track train, taking it all to daybreak. Yeah. A lucky 13 burger in one hand, like <laughs> yeah. bidding a farewell swig, to the ballpark. A swig soda in the other. Yeah. <laughs> they swung by that 7-Eleven and got a Slurpee. Okay, so the winners were announced by the city, and who won was like, it seems like kind of chosen in part by the city and in part by like voters. I don't know. It's a little confusing hmm. how it all came together. But I guess we could say it was fairly democratic. And the three winners in the three categories, which are student proposal, professional proposal, and resident proposal, were the three proposals that you and I picked as our favorites in the episode that we did about this competition. They are resident Oscar Arvizu's Sky Garden. Sky Garden! Hell yeah! Which I know you in particular loved, Emily. 
My mom, too, she messaged me after she listened to that show, and she was like, a sky garden would be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Tessa Arneson's She Plays Here proposal, which we also did a separate show about where we interviewed the Falcons women's professional football team um, captain, Lacey Mile, about a proposal to basically convert that space into a women's sports complex. It would be not the first dedicated stadium for a women's sports team in the nation, but the first dedicated women's sports complex in the nation. So that proposal won. And then the USU students, Nicholas Tate Barney and his team, who had the proposal that kind of imagined a Pike Place Mm -hmm. market-esque. A year-round market. I love that option. What I want to know is what the city's going to do now because they, I mean, they awarded a cash prize to all of these Mm -hmm. winners, but they don't have to use any of these proposals or anything in them. They could do something completely different. I mean, they could shred them. Um, So do you think that like these various winners sort of begin campaigning now in, in a sense? for the city to take their proposal seriously? Mm, That's a really good question, Allie. And um, I mean, we talked about this on our ballpark show, and that is that, you know, land use decisions can take a really long time to slog through the halls of city government. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if right now, Tessa Arneson and the She Plays Here team Like, they do start making moves on trying to make this happen. I have absolutely no idea. Okay, let's move into some big news this week. A double whammy, which is two elected officials that represent Salt Lake in some capacity or in some portion are tendering their resignation for, I would say, sort of very different reasons. First up, Salt Lake City Council member Amy Fowler from District 7, which is basically the Sugar House neighborhood. Her last day will be July 3rd. And the reason for that is that... This one's tough, Allie. This just sucks to get into. I know. All right, I'll give the skinny here. It sucks. So on May 3rd, council member Amy Fowler was arrested under the suspicion of a DUI after potentially maybe being involved in a hit and run southbound on I-15, though that's still being investigated. Um, Fowler is a criminal defense attorney. That is her full-time job. And she was supposed to show up for court that morning to represent a client in Manti, and she was arrested six minutes before she was supposed to appear in Manti representing her client. Um, she blew a .111, which if you don't know exactly what that means, all you really need to know is that that is drunk. That is very drunk. About double the legal limit, a little more than that. Yeah, though our legal limit in Utah is very low, but it is double the legal limit. And so, you know, this happened in early May. It's been basically a month now of new information coming out. She and her team of advisors and members of the city council and the mayor's office have all been, I think, sort of advising her and trying to figure out how to move forward. Because as a member of the council, she is a member of a team, right? And so the sort of, this is not over for, you know, council member Amy Fowler as an individual, And I think we're going to keep seeing stories about this because we have an obsession with public figures' private lives in this country and in this city. Um, But 
the sort of end of the road in terms of her civic duty is that she will be resigning from the council. And that means that someone will need to replace her. Right. And she'll be resigning after the 2024 budget hearings have happened. They'll be going on throughout the month of June. She's resigning July 3rd. And that was very intentional so that there was representation for her district during the budget hearing, which is probably the most important thing that the city council does is determine how much we're going to spend and what we're going to spend it on. But Allie, this was... I think this is really hard because Councilmember Fowler is also a member of our community, you know, like yeah. local government, they're, they feel a little bit closer to all of us. They feel like our neighbor, right? So yeah. I think that's why it's been kind of hard to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I've been kind of surprised by the by the ups and downs of, you know, the past month and like what her decision has been, because initially she said, I'm going to stay on the council. Um, I'm so sorry for this incident. You know, I realized that I may have damaged the trust that I've had with residents through all of this, but I'm going to stay on the council. And then, you know, a month later, we're seeing actually I am going to resign. So I was wondering, like, what has changed? What's changed for her in her mind? Or if, you know, the discussions between her fellow council members and the mayor's office have shifted. And Mm -hmm. I did ask KSL.com reporter Carter Williams, because he's been really on top of this story, if he had any sort of insight. And his idea was that one of the things the city has been laser focused on addressing is traffic violence. Uh. And, you know, they've adopted this program called Vision Zero, which is uh, intended to eliminate traffic fatalities in our community. Uh, Last year was one of the deadliest pedestrian cyclist traffic years we've experienced. And yeah, it's just like really hard to come back from, I think. There's a lot about this, frankly, that is none of our business. And then there is a lot about this that is our business because she's a public figure and she has a civic duty to represent the city. When this story first broke in early May, I saw a lot of people on social media immediately responding to it with sort of comments or calls about her resignation. That was sort of the initial gut reaction it feels like people had was, member of our city council gets a DUI, she's gonna have to resign, or will she resign? And I don't necessarily want to get too deep into that, but I do think that these sorts of moments are opportunities for us to consider why we have such a knee-jerk reaction to the moral decision-making of our elected officials. I think the question that is interesting for us as a community to explore is not whether or not from the get-go, Councilmember Fowler should resign. It's why from the get-go we might expect her to. And it feels like sort of a national thing that like we have this knee-jerk reaction to the moral behavior of our elected officials and things that they do in their personal lives. Like we've seen elected officials in this country resign because they like had an affair or whatever else. And it's like, I 
don't know that it's necessarily the sign of a healthy society that if someone has a personal misgiving that our initial reaction is that they should have to step away from their job. And I wonder why we hold our elected officials to a different standard than we might. I mean, if the CEO of Chase Bank got a DUI, you or I wouldn't even know about it. Yes, but the CEO of Chase Bank doesn't represent me in the halls of government. That is a valid point, right? Is like, these are people who make the laws. Shouldn't they have to abide them? Right. Frankly, Allie, I don't... I didn't have an opinion one way or the other on if she should resign or not. I think that's in part because she is not my council member. Mm. I might have felt differently if my council member had been in this situation. But I do want to look ahead to what's going to happen next once council member Fowler leaves office. The city council will pick a new member. Uh, People apply for that. The last time we saw this, I think, was when now homeless policy advisor Andrew Johnston left council and something like, I don't know, maybe like five to 10 people applied for this. And the council kind of tries them out. Two current council members were appointed this way. Councilmember Ana Valdemoros replaced former state senator Derek Kitchen when he mm-hmm. ran for state senate. Councilmember Darren Mano replaced now Mayor Aaron Mendenhall right. in a special appointment when she ran for mayor. And you mentioned Andrew Johnston, now homeless policy advisor. This is like status quo for them. They know right. this like the back of their hand. Oh, yeah. They're really good at this. And those those uh, council members have been reelected since. So mm-hmm. the council will pick this new member. They're going to be in this seat until about the end of the year when a special election will take place to determine who finishes the last two years of council member Fowler's term. So that's, you know, that's where things get interesting because any random person really can apply for this if they live within the district. And off the top of my head, Allie, I mean, I don't have a ton of ideas because I don't know Sugar House that well. I don't spend a ton of time there. The only person I know who lives in Sugar House is Man About Town Bryant Heath, (laughs) who's run every single street in Salt Lake City and beyond. So, you know, that's I'm throwing Bryant Heath's name into the ring. Yeah, I too sat down and tried to make a list of who I think might run for this seat. And I came up with absolutely (laughs) no names. I have absolutely no idea. And like you said, any random person could do it. And I hope they do. I hope someone extremely random wins wins this seat. It'll be fun to watch, though. And I the way they do it where you like have to sort of appear before the council and make your case and then the council just kind of decides amongst themselves. I would say it's it's good for fans of Judge Judy. (laughs) Like if you were a Judge Judy kid, like you're going to love this. You should plan to be there. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple. 
but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's Hot Cross Buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. We should talk about the other resignation this week, which I feel like has been much more fun to speculate about who might take that seat. So Congressman Chris Stewart, who represents the second congressional district in Utah, so is a member of our federal delegation, that district is crazy because it is gerrymandered. And so like- It's what? Are, Are you, you serious? You mean the Utah legislature would cut Salt Lake City into basically a pinwheel of four different districts so that we don't have one congressperson who represents all of us, even though we share a city? That doesn't sound like them at all. So Congressman Chris Stewart is resigning. He's stepping away. He's citing health issues related to in particular, his wife's health, which is really unfortunate and sounds scary. And so he said he wants to be sure that basically like there's a tidy sort of transition, which I feel like an election year presents a tidy transition option. So I always sort of read into that, that it's like maybe you want to be involved in picking your successor or something like that. That's what I read. I want a tidy transition that to me from this deeply... Republican congressman, Trump supporter in our congressional delegation. To me, that means he wants the right person in this seat. He wants to be involved in in, uh, handpicking his successor, which I think is a rather anti-democratic thing to do in in any party. I was actually interested in how this process was going to play out to determine who his successor is. Seems like... Fairly democratic, actually. Well, isn't that... Yes, that is so interesting. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how that works? Okay, so what we usually see, like, if a state legislator steps down in the middle of their term, then their party's delegates will elect the next person to fill that seat. Mm -hmm. But for Congress, we're having a right proper election in CD2, in Congressional District 2, which I think I'm in, although I'm not sure since the legislature changed the district's boundaries in uh, in 2021. I used to be in Congressman Stewart's district, but I don't think I am anymore. His district encompasses a lot of ground. So parts of Salt Lake County, parts of Davis County, and then we're going west to the edges of the state, all the way south to St. George. And those are the people Congressman Chris Stewart is tasked with representing. A wide variety of people, a wide variety of He represents the people of like North Salt Lake and the people of Panguitch at the same time. So what's going to happen is once Congressman Stewart officially puts in his resignation, then Governor Spencer Cox has seven days to pick a timeline for this special election. And Allie, here's something important to note. 
you do not have to live in your congressional district to run to represent that district. And that might shock some people, but it's not that shocking. When Representative Blake Moore, who currently represents the first congressional district, when he first ran, he lived outside of his district and it was something his opponents were always trying to ding him on. So it's not unheard of. Mm -hmm. And it opens the door to so many possibilities when it comes to who jumps into this race. Well, on that note, like you said, it opens up a bit of a can of worms. And boy, have those worms sprung forth this week. And the I don't mean to I, I don't mean <laughs> to address any individual Utah as a worm. Um, it's a bad metaphor. But moving along, I was thinking, Emily, since you and I both love this shit, uh, we could do maybe a round robin of who we think is going to get in this race and a quick why. Sound good? Okay. Well, You know what? I thought I had a lot of great ideas that I just came up with on my own, but then it turns out I just like gleaned them from from local news reporting, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) no one has an original idea anymore. First off, I'm going to put forth a guy that we know well on this show. Oh, Mm -hmm. State Senator Todd Weiler. He is a Republican from Woods Cross, so he probably lives in Congressional District 2. Again, Mm -hmm. not entirely sure what the boundaries are. But he is a longtime legislator, and he is an attorney. He's done a lot of work around criminal justice, but also you may know him as the porn czar. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We had him on this show talking about... uh, you know, preventing minors from accessing pornographic material. And, you know, initially, Allie, I was wondering why Senator Weiler would want this job. Because I I believe he has a pretty cushy job as an attorney right now. And he's an empty nester now. Mm -hmm. And that might be a reason for him to be looking to do something else. My other thought, though, is he loves to tweet Yes. And I believe as a member of Congress, one of your most important jobs is to tweet. <laughs> so State Senator Todd Weiler, there's already been rumblings that he's going to be jumping into the race. Well, the other thing that I think could be interesting about State Senator Weiler running for the seat is that we haven't really seen him campaign in a while. Yeah. So he hasn't really had to hit the campaign trail in major way, which is how I think he's been able to successfully pull off having basically two personalities. One is his online persona, which I'm sorry, Senator But like you are kind of a troll online and you know it at GOP Todd. You love to provoke. You're always the first to get in the mix and like you cackle while you do it. Okay, And then you talk to him in person and he is quite charming and disarming and like really friendly. How do these two personas coalesce? I kind of hope we get to see it because I Mm. think it could be really interesting, especially if he's running against someone like Becky Edwards, who is a former member of the Utah legislature, ran against Mike Lee for our Senate seat last year. She lost, but she built sort of an interesting faction of moderate Republicans and Democrats. She's already announced that she's getting in. I will say also on my list here is 
uh, Riverton Mayor Trent Staggs, who has uh. announced that he is running against Senator Mitt Romney for that Senate seat. If you're looking at that Senate seat next year, why not run for this year? Maybe you win, maybe you don't, but you like kind of already have the infrastructure that you're putting in place. Don't give away this this strategy for free, okay, Ali? Like, <laughs> we got to get you paid. No, oh, <laughs> no yeah, that's okay. really interesting. And I think that it is certainly more of a stretch for Mayor Staggs to win the Senate race than it is to win a congressional race. So yeah. the last person I'll say that I think is almost certainly thinking about it just based on the kind of messaging bills that they have been running in the past few years, sort of making a name for themselves across the state is the representative Kira Berkland of basically Morgan, who has been the face of some really fraught, really terse, honestly, rather ugly legislative battles. But those are messaging bills that appeal to ultra-conservative factions of the Republican Party. And I I mean, even if she knows she's not going to win, getting in to build her name ID might be something that she does. She was one of the main sponsors of the bill that banned trans girls from participating in girls' sports. Yep. Um, those are the sorts of bills that get a lot of media attention. And so she may already have some sort of name idea ID that other, you know, other rural state legislators do not have. So um, yeah. that would make a lot of sense for us yeah. to see her jump in. I'll just mention really quickly, it's not just Republicans who can run for this seat. This is a special election and Democrats can also run for this seat. So a couple of names that we've seen already. Uh, Kale Weston, who is a Democrat who actually lost to Representative Chris Stewart in, I believe, the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. It is a tough slog to run as a Democrat in yeah. any of these congressional districts, frankly. And then the last Democratic name that we've seen floating around is State Senator Kathleen Reby, actually. Mm -hmm. who, a teacher. Yep, a teacher who represents Cottonwood Heights in the legislature. And I think if you are a Democrat and you're thinking about getting into this race right now, you need to have your eyes on a very different prize than winning. And those need to be like moving the needle on a single issue. Pick an issue, go ham on it and try and move the needle on that issue. Build a coalition, energize your base, help down ballot candidates that do have a chance. Like running on pure ego and thinking that you're going to win as a former Democratic strategist, I would say is balls to the walls, insane thing to do in this very gerrymandered district. What you need to do is figure out a broader strategy that helps your party down the line and go hard on that. And I would be interested to see if any of these candidates can pull that together. I mean, to win, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be right. a tough one. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our final segment this week. We are going to do Pick of the Week. It's our favorite part of Friday. Talk about the things that we're obsessed with or we're thinking about headed into the weekend or just like good old-fashioned recommendations. And we have a surprise guest joining us. Our newsletter editor, Therina Ria, is here. And she's going to lead us off. Therina, welcome. Hello, buddies. Hi, do yeah. I have a pick for you? 
Happy Ooh. Pride. My pick of the week is being gay. Being a <laughs> raging yeah. homosexual. Yeah. Um, I I personally love it, um, which is ironic because I'm recording right now from inside a closet. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, the closet is Wait. my girlfriend's closet. So shout out to Cass. <laughs> love you, there girl. There are so many layers here. So many layers. Wow. You are really disrupting a narrative here. Okay. You're <laughs> exactly. upending things. Exactly. It, it is a really great day to be gay. It's the start of Pride Month. And this weekend is Pride Weekend in Utah. There are like mixed feelings in the community about Pride because of things like rainbow capitalism. Yeah. And how it's become so corporate. Of course, we've all been to Target around this time of year where they just put like yes, queen, yes on everything, <laughs> everything rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that having like a big gay Utah pride celebration. It means a lot to a lot of people, especially in this state, um, a state that passes anti-trans legislation that bans books that are mostly about people of color and LGBTQ. So having this huge event where we can come together and be loud and proud, I think it's critically important. Yeah. What do you make, Darina, of the fact that like we're, it feels like we're entering into an era where we have a lot of different pride factions. Do you think it's a good thing or is it a bad thing? I think it's great because I think that it, it will suit a lot of people's needs because, you know, we do have this Utah Pride Festival, um, but it, it costs money and, you know, not everybody wants to pay to um, have to celebrate pride. And so that is an option for people who want to go and have this huge celebration. But then there is also the annual pride parade. It's a free event. It's on Sunday from 10 to noon in downtown Salt Lake. So um, that's an option if you still want to participate in the festivities. But then there's also people who are throwing pride without the major corporate element. There's an event on Saturday at Lost Acorn Gallery from 3 to 10 there will be art music and food it will be a good time and it won't have as many sponsored by <laughs> big corporation yeah. signs everywhere so Therina you mentioned that some people might have issues with you know Goldman Sachs sponsoring the pride parade or even you know having some public safety and policing officials at these events so what other options are there for people who aren't comfortable with that yeah, so all month long, people are throwing different kind of pride events. There is an event by SLC Mutual Aid on June 10th. It's called Pride Without Police. It will be at Fairmont Park, 2 to 10 p.m. There's going to be free food and live music and speakers. And it, it's just a place to go where people can really feel safe and able to celebrate with their community. May I put forth my pick of the week? Oh, yes, wow. which is also pride related. I wanted to plug KUER reporter Martha Harris's story about celebrating and exploring gender and sexual identity through Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, the classic tabletop role-playing game. I loved this feature from Martha, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's just about being free to try on new identities, see what fits best for you through this fantastical and somewhat silly game with your friends. It's a great time. I love that. 
I love that. I love this fact about you that you were a Dungeons and Dragons girl. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I had not disclosed that actually, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I yes, did I, I did play you. I did play you. you did. <laughs> I did play Dungeons and Dragons for like two years. It's quite the commitment. So <laughs> I had to take a step back. Okay. I'll bring us home. My pick of the week is also kind of game related and also related to everything and nothing at the same time, which is the Instagram account Salt Lego City. <laughs> oh my God, I just started following Do either them. of I you follow so this? Okay, I just love, love it. Them. I don't know who does it. I sure hope they're listening. I want to thank them for their service. Basically what it is, is it's someone who is very good at building things with Legos. And I can only imagine what their living room is like and that they probably have to keep shoes on inside the house because there's just Legos everywhere. And they are building like sort of popular or iconic Salt Lake structures out of Lego and then photographing them. So we've got like the whale. We've got recently they did the Tacos Don Rafa like taco truck. And I saw Tacos Don Rafa commented and was like, where can we buy this? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I go give them a follow. And what a delight. What a delightful thing. Salt Lego City. OK, you two. Always great spending time with you. Happy Pride. Have a wonderful, safe, fun, celebratory weekend. Please wear sunscreen. I'm looking at both of you and myself included. And drink water. And I will see you on Monday morning. Bye. 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 That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye.